It's officially January 15th, the date that about 95% of the league is eligible to be traded, and a date that a lot of people waiting on the Zach Levine trade have had marked on the calendars is when Zach could potentially be moved. And despite that date now coming to pass, I'm going to tell you guys why it could still be a long time coming that before Zach Levine's traded, if he even is traded. We're also going to talk about Torrey Craig, his recovery from injury, and where he is along that progress, and preview today's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to get to all that, plus a little bit of mailbag, right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. And so, it's January 15th. This is a date that a lot of us have talked about at ad nauseum at this point in time of when, you know, a, a lot of the league is eligible to be uh, moved in trades. A lot of the uh, rookies who were drafted can now be moved as well. Some of the players that signed a contract extension this offseason can be moved. And it, it's a date that is, we've kind of coincided when Zach Levine and his trade requests and things like that. And to his credit, Brian Windhorst actually had a comment as far as with Zach Levine, kind of saying what the Bulls as a franchise and Zach Levine and his representation's current mindset is on a potential Zach trade, saying this, if they could trade Zach Levine in the next five minutes, they would trade him and Zach would happily go to the airport. I don't think anything has changed there. I think they absolutely want to trade him. Now, we talked a little bit about this over on Locked on Bulls, but I wanted to bring it over here as well because I think a lot of Bulls fans have held out hope, right? Hope that the Chicago Bulls and Zach Levine can work this out. If Zach Levine just comes back and his team's winning, he plays well in this, they're going to, we shouldn't move Zach, we should move DeMar. And while that is very, it's validity absolutely in that statement, right, especially with DeMar being an expiring contract, being an older player, being at times not the most modern style of play as well, how the Bulls have to adapt to that, I am not against the crowd that says adamantly, we should be looking to trade DeMar DeRozan before Zach Levine, but I think people forget in all of this. Zach Levine requested a trade, and him and his representation are also pushing for that alongside with the Chicago Bulls. And so while I do think that they're still, and I've talked about it, that, that chances is rising that Zach Levine ends up staying a Chicago Bull by the end of this trade deadline, and maybe they kick that can down the road waiting until next offseason, maybe even at, at the, in the draft, things like that. Do not be surprised if that Zach Levine is moved and is the first Bull move. Now, I don't think that it's going to be something that happens immediately. I, it's January 15th. I don't expect myself to be coming down here and recording an emergency Zach Levine trade video as of today. But if it happens, best believe I will be here. Now, I don't expect that necessarily be the case of what happens, but it is something that could happen, right? I do think that as you move closer to the trade deadline, that teams are going to get desperate. I think that with like the, the OG and Anobi trade working for that team, for the New York Knicks, I think that you could see teams in an arms race try to make some moves. Now, I don't think Zach is going to be the first player move. I think a DeJounte Murray, I think even a Click Compella, uh, that, you know, they're both on the same team with the Atlanta Hawks. I think those trades may come, whether they're moved together or individually. I think, look at Pascal C. Ockham. That's something that could happen. That could be a trade that goes down first before Zach Levine. But I do think that Zach Levine, even as a consolation prize for a team that may be struck out on some of the bigger names on the trade market, they are going to come calling for Zach Levine. 
And, you know, while I, like I said before, I understand Bulls fans and I'm with you. The way that Zach is kind of fit in on what the, on what's going on here, um, it, it, it makes you it makes you want to see how this can go, how Zach and Kobe could really continue to grow and develop. If you get here, get a 3 and D wing, replace a, a DeMar DeRozan with that, a, a player that really plays really good defense that can shoot that three ball, stretch that floor out even more. What that could mean for this team, I understand the thought process, the wish, and the hopes with that said. Um, but I do think that ultimately it's it's still heading towards the same, the exact same destination. And that is that Zach Levine and the Chicago Bulls are headed towards a split. And, it, it you know, it, don't get me wrong. Like, there is some denial across the fan base in that. There's some welcoming across the fan base with it. There's also some that, that are overstating it, acting like Zach Levine can't help the Bulls and that we just need to trade him for pennies. The truth lies somewhere between all three of those things or a combination between all three of those things. But we hear things like um, Buddy Hield and a first-round pick are being are being dangled out there for a team that could want something, right? Um, the Magic are, are trying to move Markel Fultz. Like, there are a lot of players that are going to be out there available, and some of those players aren't good as good as players of Zach Levine. Do not let the narratives of Zach Levine and the, the questions around, and still some rightful questions about how he can impact winning make you think, or the contract for that matter. We've seen larger contracts for worse players move. If a team wants Zach Levine, a deal will get done. It comes down to this. Does the Chicago Bulls front office look at a deal and say, this is a deal that we feel comfortable taking in a case like that? And so, we end up seeing, man, it's going to be interesting. Um, this trade deadline is going to be a fun one across the NBA, regardless, even outside the Zach Levine news, to see how teams around the Chicago Bulls improve or get better, things like that. It's always going to be fun. It's always going to be fun to see. This is an exciting time for both casuals and hardcore NBA fans because there's so much speculation around what, like Marvin Bagley was traded yesterday to the Wizards of all teams. Who expected that to happen? Who expected the Pistons to make a move for Danilo Gallinari? Like, who, who expected that, right? You never know. And as things open up and become more available, you never know where things are going to be headed. But with even with Windhorse's comments outside of that, comments around the NBA, and just the fact that the Bulls, I, I don't think it's ever been any wavering. Like, Bulls fans would have loved to see it, like some, right? But I think ultimately there are going to be big ma tra trades made for this team. Now, what we get back in it, that's going to be a thing. And I've seen some of you guys in the comment section too saying things like, well, we should only be looking to trade Zach if we get a player back for him. Now, un and understandably, that's what you should want. But understand that the market dictates that. And where the things are right now, that's probably just not going to happen unless the Bulls pull something that we aren't expecting, which is completely possible as well. Do not overlook the chance of the trade, as many trade rumors and things and stuff have been out there that a team may come from left field and try to go after Zach Levine and maybe they do offer something more than what the Bulls were expecting or getting offered from the other teams that have been rumored to be interested in Zach Levine for the last couple of months. So, you know, it's it's something interesting to monitor. It's something interesting to see how it continues to develop. But, you know, if you've been looking at Zach Levine's play on the court, like I have been, right, and how he's fit in or fit out or however you want to look at it, and there's some really big signs for hope that this could maybe work, but then you still look at it. The blown leads by the team, right? There's still the pecking order questions around that. How much does this front office really want to invest in growing Kobe Wright's role as the clear and indicative number one offensively, at least? And again, that doesn't mean that every shot's going to go through him, but to make, have, make, let him make more decisions as your growing point guard. There's a lot of different factors into that, and that this front office, and I've said it many times before, I do not envy the position that this front office is in at all, not even remotely, because this is a situation where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you trade Zach Levine and move him and, and you get multiple pieces back, 
that maybe can fit in, people are going to look at it and say, you didn't really get a big-time player, regardless of how that fit on the court is. If you do get a big-time player for Zach Levine back, maybe even you can. You and the Raptors are sitting there looking. The deal doesn't get done and maybe a three-team trade and you end up landing Pascal Siakam in that deal. Shout-out to the Bulls if they're able to do that. There's still going to be some questions around that, especially with Pascal Siakam needing to be extended immediately this offseason. You could be right back in the same situation where you're paying a player a huge deal, right? So there's a lot of scenarios, and it's not as simple as what some fans would have you believe. It's not even as simple as what I can explain here. I can go into a probably an hour and a half plus long video explaining all the intricacies of what would happen with multiple different trade scenarios with the contract size of Zach Levine. And so this is something that the front office really has to sit there, review, evaluate, and be tough at. And so let's see what happens, man. If Zach ends up staying, like I said, there's absolute signs that at least for the rest of the season, this could work, right? Now, to what what varying levels of success, that remains to be seen. Or if, 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 if he is moved, you know, it is what we'll see what we can get back. And then the DeMar part of it, right? I know a lot of, of the trade rumors around Zach Levine are really going to dominate the second half of the Chicago Bulls season until he's officially moved or whatever else, or the trade deadline passes and he's still on the roster. But then you still have the DeMar portion of this as well. And don't let, let the Zach Levine news and rumors dissuade us from the fact that there's still a pending contract extension between the Chicago Bulls and DeMar DeRozan. And no matter what side you fall on, if you like DeMar, if you don't like DeMar, you have to be able to acknowledge the fact that letting an asset walk, letting a player walk when you can get something back, right? And I know more than likely you're not going to get equal value back for DeMar either, but you're getting something back rather than potentially losing him for nothing in the offseason. That's a game of roulette that this front office has to be prepared to play because at the end of the day, if you move DeMar and you get something back, cool, you got something back, right? If you end up extending DeMar or you wait to the offseason to extend DeMar because you feel confident that you can and a team comes in with an offer because it's always some team in the offseason that makes an unexpected move that makes them that moves them up in the rankings and then they're sitting there looking at, hey, we got a full mid-level exception. Let's go out there and get somebody. A, a, a destination can go from not looking like an option to a realistic one real quick in the offseason right after you make it past the draft. So it's the Bulls got questions. They got, they got things that they need to look at. And so as we move now three weeks away from the NBA trade deadline, the January 15th date, more rumors are going to come up. You're going to hear a lot of speculation and things around the Bulls, around every team in the NBA. Let's keep in mind that this front office has a lot of things to decide on let's see what route they go on. Now, one of the players that was down that were playing really good for the Chicago Bulls has been Torrey Craig. And while the Bulls have really lacked size since Torrey Craig has been down, it's afforded minutes for Dale and Terry, who really started, you know, being able to show that he can do things to stay on the court. Still has tons that he needs to improve and grow on in his game. But it seems like he's moving into the next step of his rehab. Billy Donovan saying uh, they want him to ramp up activity and pain tolerance. So that would include doing some running on the treadmill. He can probably do some light shooting, but a lot of it is how he responds with that injury. It's a unique injury uh, with what he's dealing with, and they're trying to be very cautious because it sounds like the kind of injury that you don't uh, handle, that if you don't handle correctly or he pushes it too much, it could set him back a little bit, and we don't want to do that. Now, you know with the Chicago Bulls, we've, we've been through it the last few years on timelines being given and those timelines not being hit. And I appreciate the Bulls. While, you know, Billy Donovan's commenting on on Torrey Craig moving to the next step. He's moving from the recovery to the rehab section of him being out. And that's a big part because that means three to four weeks, right? Like, And like I said, he can come back as early as mid-February, which is a month from now. He can come back as late as as late February, early March. And so, that, which is a month and a half from now. So four to six weeks, if they push him too hard and he has a setback, 
That's a that's a bad because we need Tory Craig on the court. So they're going to ramp him up slowly. They're going to see how he feels day to day. They're not going to rush back to this, even though Tory Craig has said he doesn't expect to be out that full length of time. He even said this being uh, this is from Tory Craig uh, being injured sucks, but I'm just going to take it one day at a time. Usually my body has pretty uh, heals pretty fast. So I don't think the act that that uh, accurate time was. I think I'll be back a little bit earlier than that, but we'll see. So Torrey Craig is interesting to get back on the court. He really carved out a really good role for the Chicago Bulls. We're starting to get in rhythm and kind of feel how he fit in, especially as the play style of the Chicago Bulls changed the way that we want it to. So, you know, I'm happy to see that Torrey Craig is moving into that next step. I don't want to see the Bulls rush him. I hope he's not trying to rush back. There's plenty of season left whenever he is able to come back. And, you know, even if it is kind of more towards postseason play, we end up seeing what happens with that. But I, I hope Torrey Craig gets back on the court you know, as soon as possible within his his timeline. You don't have to rush it, but it's good to hear that Torrey Craig is making those necessary steps in his recovery that we can get the young man, young man, young, yeah. He's, I'm older than him, so I can still call him a young man. Hopefully we get that young man back on the court sooner rather than later. Now, the Bulls do have a game tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this starts off the Bulls week where they have three games going out this week. This first one, like I said, is against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Bulls have to be on their P's and Q's in this game and hopefully we can have another conversation in which the Bulls win the week three games to win the week you got to win at least two we got Cavs today uh Toronto Thursday and then we got Memphis on Saturday no back-to-backs thank God for the Chicago Bulls but this game against the Cleveland Cavaliers is going to be a game where they have to be locked in and I know I say that a lot but they truly do uh Darius Garland and Evan Mobley are out in this game which we already knew Max Struess is questionable Donovan Mitchell will be playing we have to try to force him to have an inefficient game the way you guard uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be important in this game, right? So you got to look at uh, Kobe, Io, Alice Caruso, even Zach Levine with him with him stepping up big time defensively lately. These guys have to be locked in on Donovan Mitchell. And if you're not, Donovan Mitchell can cook you. Hell, we saw Max Struess cook us solo without Donovan and, and Garland being out. So you got to watch uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell. You have, have to make him have an inefficient night. He's probably going to get his numbers regardless, but make those be inefficient numbers and then take care of the other business. The Cleveland Cavaliers are the sixth best rebounding um, team in the league. You have to be better than that, right? You have to come in and you, uh, Drum and Vooch, they have to be, they have to be prepared. We have to also team rebound. Too many times and opportunities, we just leave, we cease the rebound up. We got we to gotta fight for those rebounds today because this is a Cleveland Cavaliers team that if you allow them to get, especially on the offensive boards, they can make it a long night for you with second chance points alone and getting out in transition. So we have to do that. They also aren't any slouch defensively. The fourth best defense in the league is the Cleveland Cavaliers. You have to be prepared for what they're going to try to do. They are a smart defensive team. They're disciplined defensively. And those are teams that usually give the Bulls fits, specifically in the second halves of games. That's where the Bulls really need to watch out and be wary on. It's with the adjustments that they make in uh, coming out the first half into the second half because as we know, Billy Donovan has not been the best coach at dealing with adjustments. The Cleveland Cavaliers also aren't a great offense, right? 113 points per game. Uh, they're right in the middle of the pack in the league. They are above, above the Chicago Bulls on, on the season. We're averaging 110 points per game. The Bulls have to be locked in in this game, and you can take advantage of this team uh, uh, and defensively, right? We If we stay disciplined defensively and give that consistent effort defensively, we can, we can win this game. So the Bulls are going to have to take care of the things that they can take care of. Do, don't turn the ball over while forcing the turnovers that you can. This bench unit is going to be hugely important for the Bulls as well. We don't know what's going on with Patrick Williams, if he's going to play today or not. But even if he is in the game coming off the bench or starting, 
what him, Io, uh, Drum do off the bench is going to be important. Can Javon Carter have a repeat of the last game where he actually was hitting shots? That's going to be something to look out for as well. So, you know, th- this is going to be a fun game. This is a, is a team that we always play close. We always play tight. We always have fun with. And so let's see how it works out tonight. Let's hope the Bulls can get this dub and then we can have a fun game to uh, talk about and break down. Now, with that said, of course, with everything going on, we got mad overflow in the mailbag. We're going to go ahead and get into some of those overflows now. Let's get this first one. This one's from Cornelia. Hey, what's good, Hayes, man? It's Corn, man. Um, uh, let's get into it. Um, I saw the uh, – the, um, oh, we brain fart. Excuse me, excuse me, Keith, excuse me. Yeah, I saw Locked on Bulls today with you and Pat, and uh, I got, you know, two things to talk about. You know, finally we're going to get back to basketball after the bullshit at the honest. Um, I want to talk about uh, – the simple fact that I believe now that um, Kobe's needs, and, and this is the only this is the only problem I got with Kobe. This is the next part, and everybody like you got a problem with Kobe. Why would you have any problem with Kobe? Kobe been playing great. Why you know, right, man? I don't have a problem with Kobe per se. Um, I just had like the last game. Let's talk about it. Um, the last loss. Let's talk about what going straight. Um. When he only scored against 25 and then only had four shots the second half, um, everybody always go put it on Billy. And, 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 and you're right. You know, some should be put on Billy. Um, and I understand that. But I'm at the point now with him and the next thing of his development, what I want to see him do because he is being more vocal. He's being a leader, becoming a great one at that. Um, the next thing that the next step that I want to see him do um, is demand the fucking ball, okay? Even though the play's not run through you, even though Billy D ain't calling your number to take the shot, you call your number. You have earned that Kobe White. You have earned that. So that's, that's the only issue I have with Kobe White, and that's the only thing because this is his team. You know, um, we're going to talk about Zach, but it, this is his team, you know. And um, like I said, with Zach getting, you know, just to be traded, that's cool, you know. You know, you know, I was one of the ones that was still left in our hope. But I ain't going to get all into that like that. Um, I really wanted to talk about Kobe and speak on Kobe. I'll speak on Zach on another day because we always talk about Zach trades. But when it comes to Kobe, that's why I want to see more from Kobe. I want him to demand. I want him to take control and be the leader. The full leader, the man of this thing. All right, Hayes, man. Appreciate you, King. Blessings. Kobe White demanding the ball. Here's what I'll say on that. I, I still want Kobe to can play within team basketball. Like, because to me, as a point guard, it's not just about you scoring in those moments. It's also about can you make the right decision. And I think so often we look at who's taking the shot, right? And that's fair because I do think I want to see Kobe have these big moments. And I want to see Kobe hit these big fourth quarter shots. Hell, I would love to see Kobe White get a game winner off. But as the, a developing point guard in this league, I also I want just want to see Kobe have the opportunity to have the ball in his hands and for him to make the best decision, whether that's calling your own number, whether that's uh, dishing it off to Vooch, Demar, Zach, whoever it is, for them to get a better shot. I just want to see Kobe have the opportunity to grow in those moments. But I also agree with you; you have to have some form of of, of selfishness in it. And it, I guess uh, you know selfishness may be the wrong word to use there. Um, but you have to have be ready for those big moments. Now, that's the, what separates a 
really, really good player from a star-level player. And if Kobe's really going to make that ascension into being a star, he is having a star-level impact for the Bulls. You definitely want to see him do that. And so, yeah, the, I mean, the thing is, too, I don't, I don't want everybody going rogue. One of the things that benefits this team so much is how we play as a team. And so Kobe calling his own number, despite what the coach says, I get it, and I, and I agree with it initially, like just as the rah-rah part of it, the part that wants to see me, Kobe, develop in that yeah but also just be better billy put your put your 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 point guard in a better situation right that's also what i want to see from this team so we'll see how it develops man but kobe is making that ascension and i think playing off ball which is one thing that kobe white has said he wants to grow but also getting more of those opportunities in the fourth quarter definitely want to see that from kobe white great voicemail from cornelius there let's get into this next one this one's from shay oh hey what's up man it's shay you know we talk about what it could have should have in a lot of things and yes, I'm gonna bring up another woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, the year that we drafted Patrick Williams, I was happy. I mean, drafting with the fourth overall pick. But that same year, we drafted Marco Simonovic. When I had to say it, a guy that we just played today, a name of Trey Jones, picked was picked right after Marco. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why are you bringing this up now, Shay? I, I don't know if you realize it. But we could have easily picked Trey Jones instead of Marco. And now, three years later, look at where their career is at now. Marco is not even in the league anymore. And Trey Jones is prospering with the San Antonio Spurs. And just imagine, man, we probably wouldn't even be having this Lonzo Ball point guard thing. I mean, then again, in hindsight, you wouldn't be able to see the growth and development of Kobe White. But think about it. We probably wouldn't even be hit as hard with this whole Lonzo Ball situation. Like we've been in the past two years, and we had just drafted Trey Young over Bostomovich. That's just my opinion. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. Woulda, coulda, shoulda will literally kill you. Because I tell you what, I've never once gone back and looked at who went after before Marco in that second round. I, I honestly haven't. This is the first time ever. To The fact that we could have had Trey Jones instead of Marco Simonovich is crazy. But like, like, like you said, and I know you know that, like, you can get yourself caught in a web of woulda, coulda, shoulda that will leave you with severe PTSD on what on the team that this that this Bulls team could have had had they make different uh, decisions in each one of these drafts, right? And so it sucks, man. It comes down to that. That's crazy, though. That is crazy. Um, but yeah, but like you said towards the end there, we have Kobe. He's developing. He was already here before that draft. It's part of the reason why they really weren't looking at point guards then as well. Um, but I mean, listen, Kobe is is here now, and Kobe's playing great and so i love the ascension of kobe and like you said if that if that at any chance would have affected what we're seeing from kobe now hey uh sometimes you got to break a couple of eggs so you know it is what it is there but great voicemail great awareness from shay on that one let's get into this last voicemail this one's from t'challa this is t'challa the savior again with a back-to-back voice message and i would just like to add to that sentiment that i just relayed coaching does matter it it, it almost is everything because a championship coach knows what to do with the talent that's provided to him. He knows what to do with it. And our coach don't know what to do with that. If you give Eric Spolster this, this fucking team that we have for three years tops and you will see what it would be because a championship coach knows what to do with it. You don't actually have to go to a championship to be a championship coach. You're going to eventually get there, which is how Eric Spoelstra got there. You know, some 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 coaches got it and some just don't. You give Eric Spoelstra this, it, oh, my God. I think he will already have at least one championship off this team that we have because we have so much more talent than the Miami Heat. 
and you see what they keep doing, beating the odds. This dude, Eric Spolster, is damn near bringing people in from the fucking street. He's damn near, it's arguably, he is one of the best coaches of fucking all time. And it's arguably, you can say shit, damn near, he's probably better than Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich won with more fucking talent. Eric Spolster, he didn't. He didn't. You see what I'm saying? Only that, only that, uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch team that he had. And look at what his team that he's doing with. Look at what he's doing with these teams. This dude is fucking good. He got probably the greatest staff. Like, this dude is a fucking basketball mind guru. Like, I love him, man, and what Boston front office is doing. Oh, my God. Coaching and front office staff, that shit fucking matters big time. R.P. Jerry Krause, like, for real, dude. And that's where I was coming from. You know, we have the talent, the team that's in our way. We have shown that we can beat them on a, a high clip, an elite level. But the consistency, it comes from the coach. That's the real leader of the team. We don't have that, and I agree with you. Billy Donovan is not the coach for our team regarding success. We are not going to ever see a championship with, with Billy Donovan, and I don't dislike him or hate him. He's just not the coach for our team. He needs to coach a college team or something. Um, it, it, no, he's he's not the right coach. We have too much team. We have too much talent to not be successful, and that that falls on the coaches. It does, it does, and that's where I'm fucking coming from. The 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 match potential is second round exit, and I don't really believe we're gonna see that because coaching matters absolutely. That's why when you have like Melissa who leaves things like stop blaming Billy Donovan. It's not that we're blaming everything on Billy Donovan, but coaching absolutely has a place. In all of this, and I think that, you know, especially for development of players, that's why you've seen this Bulls team invest in a player development department because I think that's going to help a lot, right? That's going to help a lot in this, at least hopefully, and that, that's a big thing, and, and that's going to continue. But, you know, that, that's one of the quotes that I have that I always go to as far as, like, Billy Donovan's not, not a terrible coach as much as people try to. He has big flaws, don't get me wrong, but just because you're not a terrible coach, it doesn't mean that you're a good coach for this team and where they are. Now, I will say this, like, Kobe playing the way that he's playing is definitely going to help Billy's system look the best that it can. Absolutely. And Billy's going to be here, right? I know we can get caught up in the Eric Spoches and things like that. And that's great. And I don't want to knock Eric Spoches, but he's not the Chicago Bulls head coach. And unfortunately, this front office is at this point where they're going to, they're not giving up Billy Donovan anytime soon. So, um, you know, let, let's hope for the best of the system. Let's hope for the best of the players. And let's hope that we, we, that at least the player development department is getting the most out of these players. And then maybe it just puts Billy Donovan in a situation where you have to, to play these players and they're, they're, they're growing their game. And so let's hope that. But, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Coaching is a big part of everything. And I think so often, especially more casual fans will look at it and be like, oh, just play, get your four or five superstars together and then we're good, we're good to go. And it's like coaching even matters in that, right? When we see some of these teams that have huge talent on it that just don't work, usually point to coaching, sometimes attitude with the players, of course, there as well. But coaching is one of the most underrated people generally by sports fans that they really just don't understand how much coaching impacts every layer of your team. And, you know, it is what it is when it comes down to it. T'Challa, but great voicemail, great insight there from everybody who left voicemails today. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message, and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are.
the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related thanks to you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.